Welcome to today's podcast from Sherwood Baptist Church. For more information on Sherwood or Pastor Michael Catt, visit our website at SherwoodBaptist.net. And now, here's Pastor Michael Catt. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 14 as we trace through the most familiar scene in the life of Simon Peter. Simon Peter's denial is not too difficult a subject to deal with because we can all identify with it. All of us have had those moments when we weren't sure we wanted to stand for the Lord like we should. So I want us to look at some mistakes tonight that Peter made, and before we do that, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to speak to us out of His Word. Let's pray together. Father, as we look to the Word, we look to the Lord for a word from heaven. Speak to us tonight, Father, out of your Word. May the written Word become a living Word. Teach us tonight, no matter what it cost us, regardless of what is demanded of us. Speak to us from this familiar story, truth that so fills our mind that it puts us on guard against the things that would cause us to fail you. And take us to the truth of what it means to walk with you and to walk in your spirit, to walk by faith. Father, it really does always come back to you. And so, Father, I pray that in this word tonight, we would see the living word Jesus, his requirements, his demands, his warnings, his counsel to those of us who call ourselves children of God. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Something interesting about the Word of God, God never hides the mistakes of His children. You know, God authored this book because if we had written it about our family and friends, we would hide the mistakes. But God lets us see His servants, warts and all. He lets us see an honest evaluation of their lives. So we know that God has a reason for giving us their failures their shortcomings, as well as the positive things that happen in their life. And the reason is God wants us to learn something from their lives. He wants us to see their mistakes, their shortcomings, their failures, and thus to learn so that we do not make the same mistakes and have the same failures and shortcomings. And so I want us to look tonight at four mistakes that Simon Peter made at this critical hour in his life four areas where he stumbled. And I think in these four areas you will find the four reasons why you and I fail to walk in the Spirit like we should, why we fail to walk in fullness with Christ, why our testimony is inconsistent, why our Christian life seems to stumble along at best and is a lot of hit and miss and up and down, 
For I think in this incident in the life of Simon Peter, we find really a life pattern for most believers and the reason that most of us do not walk in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The first mistake that Peter made is that he boasted too much. He boasted too much. Mark chapter 14, verse 27, and then we'll pick up at verse 29. Jesus said, You will all fall away. But Peter said to him, verse 29, Though all may fall away, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that you yourself this very night, before the cock crows twice, shall three times deny me. But Peter kept saying insistently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Simon Peter boasted too much. I use my imagination here a little bit and kind of think Simon turned real quickly to Jesus and said, Lord, did I hear you right? Did did I hear you say we will all fall away? Well, Lord, I tell you, all these other bozos, I can believe that about them. I mean, these guys have been losers ever since you picked them up, and I don't know why you put up with them for three years like you have. You know, I've been about the only good thing you've had going for you. Yeah, I can believe it. I can believe they would fall away. But Lord, not me. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, they'll bail out on you. But Father, I will never bail out on you. I've forsaken all. I left my fishing business. I put a for sale sign on it and left it, walked away, and for three years I've followed you. You know I've followed you. Lord, you remember I'm the one that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's a verse of Scripture that you and I don't need to forget. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and it says simply this, Let him that think he standeth take heed lest he fall. I get a lot of discouraging news every week. I got two phone calls this week, two men in the ministry, one of whom I'm familiar with, who have fallen into immorality and had to resign their churches. I'm sure they didn't intend to fall. I'm sure they didn't intend to go into immorality. But somewhere along the line, they must have said, I'll never do that. And arrogance and spiritual pride is a danger for the believer. You and I must never get to the point where we boast so much in our abilities because anyone who boasts about what they're going to do for God or how they're never going to do something is a prime target of the enemy. Spiritual arrogance is the curse of Christianity. Let him that think he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now here is Jesus. He says, you're all going to fall away. And Simon Peter had that mentality, don't just stand there, say something. He never could understand why he kept putting his foot in his mouth and he couldn't walk around. But Simon Peter, again, puts his foot in his mouth and he says, Lord, I'll never deny you. In fact, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And notice what Jesus says in verse 30. Truly I say to you, this very Night. Simon Peter, it's coming quicker than you think. This very night, before the sun comes up tomorrow, you're going to have denied me three times. Now, the issue with Simon Peter here is not his sincerity. 
he was sincere. He sincerely believed that he would die for Jesus. He sincerely believed that although everybody else would fall away, that he would stand with Jesus. Simon Peter had counted the cost to follow Jesus, and he believed at that moment that in all his heart he believed if he had to, he would die for Jesus. But you see, he was boasting too much. His problem wasn't insincerity. His problem was arrogance. I will never deny you. Simon Peter's problem was that he was so strong that he was weak. That he had it all together and yet he didn't have it together. You see, in reality tonight, the only thing that is keeping you from being what you ought to be is you. It's not who you're married to. It's not who you're not married to. It's not your kids. It's not your environment. It's not your financial standing. It's not anything else. The only thing that's keeping you tonight from being what you ought to be in Jesus Christ is you. Everybody walks around pointing fingers of blame and say, well, if I'd had this and if I had that, if this person hadn't done this to me, if that person hadn't done that to me, listen, friend, every time you point your finger at somebody else, three are pointing back at you. The hindrance to your life tonight is not a person who did you wrong or somebody who will not support you in your faith. The hindrance to your life tonight is you. You and I are our greatest hindrance because we think we are our greatest strength. We think somehow that we've got it all together and we have yet to learn that the Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. It is not difficult to live the Christian life. It's impossible to live the Christian life. You cannot live up to the standards of the New Testament for one second in your life on your own. I saw a cartoon not long ago of a prosperous businessman getting in his limousine and his butler opening the door and the chauffeur driving him off and a hobo was sitting on the other side of the street watching this businessman get in his car. And he turned to a hobo friend and said, There but for me go I. And that's the truth. Some of us are spiritual hobos. Given all the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, given all the abundance of the filling of the Holy Spirit, all the promises of God, and yet we look at somebody that's walking in spiritual prosperity and growing and developing in the Lord, and their nurture and their faith is being built up, and they are rooted in the faith, and we look at them and say, There but for me go I. Simon Peter boasted too much. Until we learn the fact that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We do not understand the basis of Christianity. Until we realize that none of us would stand for a moment apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter how strong we are, no matter how firm our roots are, no matter how good our church is, put in the right situation, all of us would bail out. Do you realize that in this century, more people have died a martyr's death for faith in Jesus Christ than in all the other centuries combined since the death of Jesus. Tonight, at this moment, there are people around this world that are being faced with the thought that if they do not change their mind about Jesus Christ, they could die in the next five to ten minutes. Tonight, there are people having to give their lives
for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you get in a situation like that, you do not boast in your own strength. The only boasting power you have is in the name of Jesus. You see, your need tonight is not partial. You don't need a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the Bible and a little bit of prayer and a little bit of the church and a little bit of help. Your need is not partial. Your need tonight is total. When you try, you fail. Even if it looks like you succeed, you fail in the eyes of God. For he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, not one thing. If you trust, you succeed. Trying kills Christianity. Trusting is the success of the Christian faith. And God is not in the business of trying to improve your flesh. He didn't come in when he put the Holy Spirit inside of us and say, well, I'm just going to tune you up because really, basically, you're all right. You just need a tune-up job. No, what we needed was an overhaul. That's why the old nature was so depraved and so away from God that God didn't even mess with the old nature. He put a new nature inside of us. And you see, if you live another 20 or 50 or 100 years... Your flesh will not get any better than it is right now. Your flesh, my flesh, your self-will, my self-will is in rebellion against God and all the preaching and teaching and praying in the world won't change the basic depravity of your nature. The only thing that changes us is the person of Jesus Christ living inside of us. Paul said in Galatians, the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. You know what we need to discover tonight? We need to discover with a spiritual x-ray the condition of our heart. We need to discover the cancer that eats away at our flesh. And it's not a physical cancer, it's a spiritual cancer. It is pride and boasting in who we are and what we've done and what we can do. You and I will always fail in the Christian life when we boast too much. But that leads to a second one, and we pick up in verse 32. And he said to his disciples, they've gone out to the Garden of Gethsemane now, he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. Now pick up in verse 37 if you would. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. Now remember, he's warned him that the temptation is going to come for him to deny him. There's a reason why he singles Simon Peter out here and not James and John. The warning has been issued to Simon Peter. He says, could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? 
he boasted too much. When you boast too much, you pray too little. When you boast too much, you pray too little. One is the outgrowth of the other. Praying too little follows boasting too much as much as the day follows the night. You and I need to realize that praying too little is one of the things that hinders us from walking with Jesus and from being what He desires us to be. Because here's what happens to us. If things are going your way, why pray? If you've got money to meet your needs, why pray? If you've got talent and abilities, why pray? If you've got an outgoing personality, why pray? If everything seems to be going your way, you don't need to pray. And you boast too much and you pray too little. Simon Peter fell asleep. Simon, are you asleep? Behind that question are these words I think that Jesus was saying under the surface. Simon, you are the last person on the face of the earth that ought to be asleep right now. Now listen and remember where he was. He is on the verge of denying Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes to him expecting him to pray. He says, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. But the scripture says their eyes were heavy. But the soul of Jesus was heavy. And he comes back and says, Simon, are you asleep? Lord, you know, when I, when I pray, I just start getting sleepy. Every time I pray, I just get sleepy. Simon, you're the last person on the face of the earth that ought to be sleeping right now. You ought to be wide awake. Temptation is coming. The devil is out to get you. He's asked to sift you. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus did. Jesus did not come to Simon Peter and say, Simon Peter, I want you to live for me. He didn't come and say, I want you to die for me. He said, I want you to watch and pray for one hour. You know, it's a lot easier to say, Jesus, I'll die for you than it is to pray for an hour. It really is. Simon Peter prayed too little. He needed to pray because verse 40 says, They did not know what to answer him. You see, tonight, the Lord Jesus is not looking for you and I to be superheroes. He's simply looking for people who can watch and pray and then be there when he needs them. But we boast too much, and so we pray too little. While we boast about our education and our background and all the things that we have, and, and they come to him and say, Lord, we've got it all together. I mean, we've heard you for three years, and, and we know what's expected of us. We've understood the cost of discipleship. We've stayed with you when everybody else is gone. I mean, after all, you've drawn us in to this garden to pray with you. We're doing pretty good, aren't we? But, Lord, our eyes are heavy. You know, there's all the difference in the world between a good, sound reason and a reason that sounds good. You know why most of us don't pray? We don't have a good, sound reason for not praying. We just got a reason that sounds good. 
I'm busy. I work long hours. I've got kids. I've got this. I've got that. And the prayer closet stays strangely silent. Not because we've got a good reason not to pray, but because we have convinced ourselves that we've got a reason not to pray. And it's because we've boasted too much and we pray too little. And thus we begin to treat prayer like a disaster item on the Christian's checklist. It becomes like a parachute. The crisis comes and we pull the ripcord and hope that God sends the answer. It's not a daily activity. You see, the reason it's not is because prayer is the one aspect of the Christian life that you cannot popularize. Now, surprisingly enough, you can make witnessing popular. You get five or six people that are excited about witnessing and they start leading people to Jesus and they start infecting their Sunday school class and infecting their church and everybody starts saying, man, that's great, great. I wish I could learn how to share my faith like that. I wish I could learn how to talk to people about it. I mean, you can make witnessing popular. Nobody can make prayer popular. If we were to announce tonight that we've got a prophecy conference, we're going to have somebody come here and they're going to tell you what the third toe on the right foot of the third horseman of the apocalypse is all about. We'd pack this place out. I mean, everybody's interested in prophecy. Within a year, everybody will want to know if Bill Clinton's the Antichrist. <laughs> I get letters. <clears throat> won't be Bill, it'll be Hillary. Uh, <laughs> oh, everybody loves a prophecy conference. Something that tickles our ears, something that excites us and gets our attention. But if you say now, 10 o'clock one night this week, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Nobody's going to talk, not going to be any singing. We're just going to come in here and pray. Wouldn't get much of a crowd. In fact, a lot of people like to stay in fellowship hall and drink coffee when prayer meetings going on because it's easier to drink coffee in fellowship than it is to talk to God. And that's why prayer is a last resort instead of the first option. And God will never use us and we will never know the anointing of God and the power of God as long as prayer is an emergency item on our checklist. As long as it's just a parachute that we pull a cord that we pull and hope that God pops the answer out for us. Only when we pray do we realize how spiritually bankrupt we really are. Only when we pray do we realize that all our words that we've learned at church, all the Christian jargon that we've learned, all the little phrases that we've learned how to use seem empty and hollow when we're talking to a holy God. We pray too little. Suppose tonight... You are facing surgery tomorrow and you believe for every reason that it was a terminal illness. You wouldn't have any trouble praying tonight. You would not have any trouble calling your friends and asking them to pray for you because you are facing a possible terminal illness. You would have no problems asking the church to pray for you because it could be terminal. My friends, I've got news for you. Some of us face some temptations tomorrow that are more terminal than a terminal illness. 
there are people in this room and people that hear my voice that are facing temptations to stray away from their wife or their husband. They are facing temptations to ignore the teachings of the Word of God, and those will be more fatal ultimately than any disease known to man. We pray too little. Number three, he acted too soon. Verse 47, he acted too soon. But a certain one of those who stood by, we know this is Simon Peter from one of the other Gospels, drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Verse 50, and they all left him and fled. You boast too much, you pray too little, you act too soon. Now here's Simon Peter. He cannot stay awake to pray. But he hears the crowd coming. Get out of the way, Jesus. Get out of the way. I'll handle this. I'll handle this. I got this under control. Get out of the way. Where are they? Give me my sword. I'll kill them all. What an idiot. This was a disastrous exhibition for a man of God. He got mad and he lost control because he boasted too much and he prayed too little. He was a man who could not keep awake when all he had to do was stay awake, and thus he could not stay under control when all he had to do was stay under control. He acted too soon. It is easier, my friend, to draw a sword and cut off somebody's ear than it is to pray for one hour. Now, what's funny about this story is, is that the Roman soldiers had to practice an hour a day. An hour a day. Now, this, this is where the, the, the Lord seems to tie things together. They had to take their swords, and they had to take them over the head, and they had to bring them down, practice bringing them down, where they could split a man's head right down the middle with their sword. And they would line up around the city, and they would practice in their brigades and in their groups and teams and they would work and they would practice and the key was in their practice was to be able to stop just before they hit this guy's head while they're practicing. In real life, in the battle, they were supposed to go all the way through with it. To bring that sword down right square on the middle of somebody's head and split it wide open. Simon Peter had seen that. We know from this that Simon Peter was a much better fisherman than he was a swordsman because all he got was the ear. And don't you know, I'm, don't you know Jesus said, Simon, pick up the ear. <laughs> Give it to me. You know why Malchus lost his ear? Because Simon lost his temper. Because he acted too soon. If he had been praying, he wouldn't have done that. Peter should have been active in prayer, and he was passive in sleep. Jesus went to the garden and prayed and came to the conclusion, Father, not my will, but thine be done. God's Son resigned himself to the will of his Father in prayer. And if Simon Peter had been passive and resigned to the will of God, then he would not have been active with this sword isn't that the problem with a lot of us? We're active when we should be passive and we're passive when we should be active. We open our mouth when we should keep it closed and we close our mouth when we should keep it open. Isn't that our problem? We act too soon. 
we say something too quick, something comes out that shouldn't come out, and I'm not really sure which one is more dangerous tonight, running ahead of Jesus or dragging a mile behind him. But they all fled because he acted too soon, and it was a travesty, and it didn't work out like they thought it would. And Jesus didn't call 10,000 angels, and so verse 50 says, they all left him and fled. He acted too soon. Isn't that the problem of the church today? We speak too quick. We act too soon. We pray too little. I've spent several hours this week counseling with the church that's going through some serious problems. Our pastor resigned two weeks ago. And I've been on the phone with them back and forth and been faxing some material back and forth with them, trying to help them out. They're on live television on Sunday morning just like we are. They did not have a worship service this morning. They turned the cameras off and had a two-hour and 40-minute business meeting. And the consensus was the testimony of our church is ruined in this community. A lot of problems. You see, I know that church well because I pastored that church before I came here. So I'm quite familiar with what their problems are. And I can tell you, my friends, there are a lot of churches, a lot of churches, that their whole problem in not having revival and not seeing a movement of God is they've got too many people who speak too soon and pray too little. And they don't know how to get a hold of God. And I have a firm conviction in my heart that no man, no woman should ever speak in church who has not first spoken with the Father. Now, you watch it. Show up. We don't normally have this problem, but you show up Wednesday night. Somebody will be in prayer meeting Wednesday night that doesn't ever come. And they'll be here for one reason. It's time to discuss the budget. We won't know what the preacher makes. That's the only reason they'll be here. Unless, of course, there's a tragedy in their life, and then they'll call the prayer line and ask us to pray for them. Isn't it funny how we call ourselves the children of God and we so often act too soon. I don't believe that anybody has a right to raise a sword until they first spend an hour in prayer. Because in the hour in prayer, God will tell you whether you can raise the sword or not. You and I need to be careful that we do not act too soon. We need to be aware that what we do and what we say affects not only us, but all those who know us, and all those who have heard about us, and all those who watch us for a reason to reject Christianity. You know what the devil's greatest triumph in Albany, Georgia would be tonight? One of the greatest ones would be for Sherwood Baptist Church to become divided over anything. 
and then we will have acted too soon and prayed too little and boasted too much about who we are. But there's a fourth one. Number four. Begins in verse 54. He thought too late. He thought too late. <clears throat> verse 54 and then verse 66. Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest and he was sitting with the officers and warming himself at the fire. Verse 66, And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You too were with Jesus the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out onto the porch. And the maid saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders, This is one of them. But again he was denying it. And after a little while, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man you are talking about. And immediately a cock crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had remarked to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he began to weep. He thought too late. There he was warming himself at the fire of the enemy. All had fled. He must have felt pretty good about himself. After all, everybody else had gone. At least he had followed Jesus into the courtyard. At least he was there standing where he could see and the way those houses were arranged. He could see what was going on with Jesus. Lord, I'm not so hot. Not a good swordsman. I should have prayed, but at least I'm here warming by the fire of the enemy. Oh, he thought too late. Only when he heard the cock crow did he remember what Jesus had said to him. Oh, our problem, ladies and gentlemen, is that we only seem to remember the warnings of Scripture when we've been caught in the sins of our flesh. Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me. I would submit that Jesus could see Simon Peter because of the position of that house. And I would submit that Peter was as much an enemy of Jesus at that moment in his life as the soldiers who beat him. For he warmed himself at the fire of the enemy. He was confronted and he caved in. And in verse 72, Peter remembered what Jesus had said to him. But it was too late then. And he began to weep. I tell you folks, before it gets too late for us, we need to remember what Jesus has said to us. We need to remember his warnings we need to remember the exhortations of this book. We need to remember the commands and the Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments. They've never been changed to the Ten Suggested Guidelines. They are still God's Word for living. 
And you and I need to remember before we think too late and it comes to us what we have forsaken, the truth that we have turned our back on, and we begin to weep knowing that we've caved in and wasted our lives, wasted our opportunity. Here was Simon Peter who had an opportunity to redeem himself and he could have walked right into that room and said, wait a minute. I'm not going to deny him. Every word he says is true. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. I've heard him. I've seen him. I've seen the miracles. All these other testimonies are lies. I know him. He's my Savior. But he didn't do it. He thought about that too late. Jesus was already condemned to die when Simon Peter remembered the words of Jesus. You and I need to sit down and evaluate our faith. For you see, there's no difference in the person who reads the Bible and doesn't obey it than the person who never reads the Bible. They're the same. And you and I need to evaluate our lives and understand what it is that keeps us from walking in the Spirit. And I'll make a couple of suggestions. I would suggest that there are people here tonight that know enough of the truth that are miserable because they're not obeying it. I would suggest that there are people here tonight who know the requirements of walking by faith and living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but they're not doing it. There are those here who are in rebellion, those who know enough of the Spirit-filled life and have tasted of it, and yet they are convicted tonight because they do not walk in the fullness of the Spirit tonight. The most important lesson you and I could ever learn tonight is how weak we really are. We are a desperate people and do not know it. We are an empty people and cannot acknowledge it because we boast too much and we pray too little and we act too soon and we think too late because we want the fullness of the Spirit without denying ourselves and we want the thrill or the fill of the Spirit without the confession of sin and we want the fruit of the Spirit without falling into the ground and dying. We want resurrection power without a co-crucifixion death and it doesn't come that way. And so every person here tonight is in one of three conditions. Number one, you may be here and your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. By the way, could I submit to you that a weak flesh is also a strong flesh? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Number two, you could be here tonight and your spirit is willing and the Holy Spirit is strong in your life. You've died to yourself. Or number three, your flesh is weak and your spirit is unwilling. You remember in John chapter 1, verse 42, Jesus said, I'm going to change your name. You'll no longer be called Simon. You're going to be called Peter, Cephas, the rock. It took a long time for Jesus to Simonize Peter. But he did revive him. And he restored him. 
And Simon Peter, this same one who failed Jesus, preached Pentecost. You know why? Because he realized he had boasted too much. And he went as Jesus told him to this time, and he prayed in the upper room for 10 days until the Spirit of God fell on him and gave him power to preach the Word. You see, if he had prayed like he should have the first time, he would have never denied him. He prayed the second time, and God used him. And if Simon Peter were here tonight, I think this is what he'd say. Don't blow it. Don't brag on yourself. Don't boast on yourself so much. Don't neglect your prayer life. Don't pray too little. Heed the words of Scripture when it says that you ought to pray and spend time with God in prayer. Don't act too soon. Don't act until you've prayed. And don't think too late. Don't wake up one day at the end of a wasted life and regret all the choices you've made and all the mistakes that you've made and all the ways that you've blown it and realize that you can't go back and live it over again. And I think Simon Peter would say to us, It happened to me so it would not have to happen to you. And if it happens to you, after knowing what it did to me, you have become your own worst enemy by not walking in the Spirit. Thanks for listening to today's podcast from Sherwood Baptist Church and Pastor Michael Catt. For more information about Sherwood, you can visit our website at SherwoodBaptist.net. If you live or visit in the Albany area, we invite you to worship with us here at Sherwood. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.